Today, I'm answering an email that came in about a plan for a million dollar income with only $300,000 down. Let's check it out. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. All right. So um, I got an email and um, the reason why I wanted to make this video was because uh, the email is from someone who is highly trained and highly skilled in the world of business and finance. And they are clearly new to the space. And sometimes we get it a little bit into the weeds on this channel and I get some very specific questions and some very specific conversations about things that are, you know, small details about the overall process of buying or selling a business. And I realized when I got this email that I had an opportunity to kind of take a step back to a far more uh, basic sort of new entrant uh, sort of view. And I thought because of the person that sent it in, uh, it's really insightful for a lot of people out there who don't have uh, an in-depth business or financial background, just to see that even though you may have studied or have a lot of skills in the world of business and finance, you, you might still um, have that same path of learning that other people who are just coming to the space will also have. So let me let me share this because it, it really is a great question. So it says, hi, David, thanks for reaching out. Excited to get going on this. A bit of background on me. I am a professional at one of the largest, and I didn't want to identify as industry, one of the largest you know firms in the world that do this thing. I also invest in real estate on the side. I've always had an entrepreneurial itch and buying a business sounds far more likely as a path forward for me than anything else. My questions at this stage, and he said he has yet to start this course, so this is a person who signed up for Business Buyer Advantage, are number one, do you have any students that have been able to successfully acquire and run a business while maintaining a W-2? So maintaining a job. My guess is no, which makes sense, but I am thankfully a high income earner for now. And while that can change in a heartbeat, given this industry, I'm not ready to voluntarily give it up to begin a search. So, so that's question number one. And we're going to go back and address each of these. And it says, number two, it is it fair to me for me to assume that to replace my million dollar a year income, generally speaking, I should expect to buy a business worth about $3 million, assuming a three times profit multiple. Generally speaking, that would require an investment of about 300 grand. So he's making reference to the SBA loan program in the US. Or is the profit the multiple based on a post-tax metric? Presumably that would leave little room for the business to reinvest for growth. So again, we're gonna go back and touch each of these one after another. And then asks the third question, 
How do folks that do this full-time recycle capital to acquire additional businesses? Just lever up their existing business or via savings or question mark. Looking forward to diving in here and appreciate all you do, big fan. So thanks very much. And uh, thank you for sending in the question. Uh, I really appreciate this. Um, so let, let's get into those, each one, okay? So we're gonna start with the W2 question. So do you have any students that have been able to successfully acquire a business and maintain their job? So the answer to that question is, yeah, yeah, I have. And so it usually takes one of a couple of different formats. Either uh, they buy a business that is highly systematizable, meaning that the systems are either already in place. So a business that is currently owned by someone who doesn't work there every day may likely have the systems in place that you could acquire that business and you may not have to go work there every day. So think of something like a, like a Subway sandwich shop, right? Uh, that may have an owner that doesn't go there every day and there's a manager and there's a team and all this kind of stuff. Um, but given this person, the, the questioner's um, position, uh, my guess personally is that this person is working 50 to 60 hours a week easily uh, in that industry with the kind of earnings that he has. And so when we say that the owner of a Subway franchise may not be going there every day to actually work in the franchise, that isn't to say they aren't investing any amount of time in that business. So they are probably, even though they're not going there every day to work, probably spending several hours every day in a supervisory capacity, looking at reports, examining what's going on, et cetera. And so there is still a time commitment involved in taking care of that business, supervising one's investment. Now, an individual like, you know, in, in this example, um, who has a million dollar income and buys, uh, you know, a sandwich shop, for example, that may represent a very small investment for this person. And so they may be more willing to step back even further. But generally speaking, when people buy a small business, um, they're making a, what is for them a significant investment. And if they're not going to be there all day, every day, they usually still want to have a very tight rein on understanding what is going on in there. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why a lot of people want to be the manager in the business that they buy, because they're probably making a, you know, a hugely significant investment and they're acquiring a large amount of debt often uh, that is going to be personally guaranteed. So, you know, the second part of the question was about a uh, million dollar income, meaning that you're going to buy a $3 million company and put $300,000 down. Well, in that scenario in the in the person's email, and we're going to get to whether the scenario is realistic or not in a moment. That scenario would imply a $2.7 million debt personally guaranteed. So for a lot of people, if they had $300,000 to do that deal, um, would be very frightened of the fact uh, by the possibility that the people working in the business day to day would do things that might jeopardize the viability of the business and cause it to fail, right? which would ultimately have huge negative repercussions for that business owner investor. And so a lot of people that would be in that kind of scenario, taking on a $2.7 million debt and putting down $300,000, they'd wanna be in there every day, right? So, so that's the, the first part of this question. Um, the, the other way that people would normally do this um, is to have some kind of operating partner. So you buy the business, but you have somebody that is you know, maybe uh, has more experience in the particular industry 
has operational experience being a manager for someone else, for example, um, and maybe they don't have the same financial resources, but they may have something that they can put in. And so you partner with that person and then your partner at least is going to be there all day, every day um, while you continue to have your W-2 job. So th those are the two ways that I've seen it done the most. For people that are buying a business that is currently owner run, to buy that business and then all of a sudden make it absentee operated is, is usually not quite so simple. Um, usually what is involved is the buyer does have to get into the business full time. And, and I mean, I'm talking generalities here, but this is the formula I've seen be the most successful. The buyer buys it, gets in there full time, learns from the exiting seller how to run the business, and then they usually create better systems and you know checklists and tools and, and KPIs and all this kind of stuff. And then they either promote or hire someone to become that manager so that they can step out. But they are also expert in running that business because they usually spend some time there, like six months, 12 months kind of thing. So they learn the business, they learn what they need to keep track of, they create those systems so that they can easily keep track of it. Uh, I've spoken before in the past about a guy named Tony uh, that I helped buy several companies. Uh, and this is what he used to do. He used to create uh, tools and metrics so that he could have a weekly report from each of his businesses, from their managers. And he'd be able to quickly see how the business was performing, you know, current stats versus last month stats versus year ago stats kind of thing. And trends would be revealed or... In the case of a you know a construction related project related business, he had you know number of deals in the pipeline, number of tenders submitted, and all this kind of stuff. So he was able to quickly see from one page what was going on in that business, and so that's what it requires. If you're going to keep your job and run a business, you've got to have those systems in place. Most small businesses don't have it because the owner is usually in the middle of it, and they don't need it because they're in it and they know what's going on. So. Let's talk about the second part. Is it fair for me to assume that to replace my million dollar a year income, I should expect to buy a business worth three million, assuming a three times profit multiple, right? Um, and so I would say, no, that's not really fair to assume at all because a three times profit multiple is a multiple that we would see in the main street and a business with a million dollars of, and you say profit. So a million dollars of EBITDA, for example, that would be up in the mid market. And that would be trading for a higher multiple um, because a lot more buyers are going to be out there looking for that kind of business. It's going to be attract the interest of bigger entities. And so um, the reason why I thought this was great is because there's a lot of conversations happening out there about this whole idea of buying a business. And obviously this viewer has seen some of these conversations and they got excited about the idea that businesses can sell for what they imagine are relatively low multiples. And it brings me back to one of the rules that I've often repeated over the course of years of making these videos is whenever you are tuning into a conversation about buying and selling businesses, you need to look for clues that let you know what kinds of businesses are being discussed because the conversations around main street businesses are very different from the conversations around uh, lower middle market businesses and middle market businesses. And, you know, once you get up into millions of dollars of EBITDA, it's, it's all different again, right? Especially if you're in an industry or a business is big enough that it might attract the attention of something like, like a publicly traded company, right? You know, publicly traded companies have super efficient capital structures because they can literally print up shares and people will give them money for it. Think about that. 
like a, a publicly traded company, if they want to do an acquisition, they could do, uh, you know, an added stock issue. They could literally print up a million shares, sell them in the market, get all that money for bits of paper they printed. It's like printing your own money, right? And so an individual buyer, I, I ran into this uh, conversation in the real estate space um, maybe 20 years ago uh, when some of these real estate income trusts started to buy smaller and smaller properties. Uh, I met a guy who was an investor who owned dozens of buildings, very wealthy, established guy. But essentially his company was like him, you know, and they had to earn money through cash flow and save up money to get a down payment. And then all of a sudden these REITs would start to come into the market who were issuing uh, paper into the publicly traded market to raise their down payment money. Um, and they basically had access to un unlimited money and they would keep outbidding him for these buildings. And he was very frustrated uh, because his capital structure and way of raising money was so different. So, so no, they don't expect that you're going to be able to find a business with a million dollars of, of and, and and then this also brings in the question of what the the reader the the um, the viewer means by profit, because I've made videos before, of course, about the difference between SDE and EBITDA, and how um, if you find a business with an SDE of a million dollars, out of that money has to come uh, any debt service. And so in this scenario, you're talking about servicing a two point seven million dollar debt, so that's got to come out of the million dollars. And then um, a salary for whoever's going to run it because SDE is the amount of money available to an owner operator that works full time. And if you're going to keep your W-2, that means you've got to take some money out of that SDE and pay someone else. So that's another deduction from that. Um, and it doesn't include CapEx because it's based upon EBITDA ultimately, which doesn't include depreciation or amortization. And so when you remove all those things, that million dollar SDE business might actually only have a free cash flow. And then taxes, of course, might only have a free cash flow, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? So it's 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 not going to deliver what you're looking for. Even if you paid all cash, uh, it's still not going to deliver that full amount of money into your pocket. So um, let's move on to the next part of this. Um, how do folks that do this full time recycle capital to acquire additional businesses just lever up their existing business or via savings or what else? So uh, that's a great question because it presumes that somebody gets into this to become a trader or multiple acquirer of these small businesses. And um, I've met people who who do do that. Um, there's a conference that happens every year in Cleveland. I've been to it twice. And I met all kinds of people that own multiple businesses. So there is a subset of people that do that for sure. Um, However, I have, I can tell you that the universe of people who buy a business, operate that business, and then don't ever do another deal is the vast majority. And the reason usually comes back to some of the things I talked about earlier, which is the loan and the private guarantee or personal guarantee rather. So somebody, let's talk about that theoretical deal that was proposed in the email again. You buy a business with a, a price of $3 million, you put $300,000 down, you get a personal guarantee debt of $2.7 million hanging over your head. And we'll assume that's an SBA loan. And so that maybe you pay it off over 10 years. Most people, when they pay off that loan, never want another one again. Yeah, because they, 
they had all that anxiety hanging over them. And over the course of the 10 years, they've had all kinds of ups and downs and close calls and dealt with, you know, employees with drug problems or somebody who was stealing or, you know, an insurance claim that uh, should have been paid out easily, but the insurance company jerked them around for a year. Uh, like they, they have all these ups and downs through the operations of a business. And those people really know what it's like to be in business because they've suffered through all of that. And then they get to this point where now, think about what I just said about seller's discretionary earnings, the SDE. They get to the point where all of a sudden the bank's paid. And now all of that cash flow that was going to the lender is now available for whatever they want. So they can either use that money to grow the business, you know, add more capacity, add more machinery, grow it to a second location, um, or they can just take the money out, right? And so suddenly the business, you know, if your idea behind buying multiple businesses is to grow a larger and larger cash flow, well, just staying in the business and operating it properly and paying off the debts ultimately results in a higher cash flow without the need to incur any further risk or get another loan with a personal guarantee, right? And so, and, and I made a, a video about this, I think a couple months ago, about how the journey through small business ownership changes people. Um, and, you know, the, the sort of uh, excitement and vigor that uh, someone might have coming into this space for the first time, uh, when they think that, you know, some of these deals that get talked about in social media are possible and that they're gonna do one of these deals and they're gonna have a, a relatively low down payment and have this fantastic cash flow um, when they actually do their deal and they end up working through this week in, week out, you know, going a year with no vacation, like all the kinds of stuff that happens to these small business owning entrepreneurs. Um, when the opportunity to kind of operate and take the foot off the gas a little bit because you no longer have a banker, um, you know, nipping at your heels, a lot of people just take that opportunity and they breathe, they just sigh. And, and this is why we meet these business owners. If you're a searcher, we meet these business owners who've had these businesses for decades. They don't have any debts. And we point out these different things about how the business could easily be improved. And we wonder why the business owner doesn't do that. Why aren't they you know, doing this, doing that, doing X, Y, Z? Well, they did their hard work. And now they're kind of enjoying an, an easier pace, as it were, uh, while they own the business. Um, as I've said many times, the, the meat in small business ownership is not in the exits because the multiples are just too low. The meat of business ownership is in the ownership and the operation, especially once you get to the point where you've paid off the big debts. Um, and I've even seen uh, many examples of people who have been contemplating large capital expenditures, you know, replacing big pieces of equipment and things like this. And they'll even decide at that point against the growth just because they don't want to incur the debt and put themselves into that levered position again. Anyway, I want to thank the the writer of today's email. Um, and, and I've obscured a lot of the content there to kind of keep, uh, keep their position uh, private. But the reality is, is that if something sounds too good to be true, it likely is. And this space is no different. And uh, there's another podcast, uh, Acquiring Minds, and I was listening to one of the episodes uh, earlier in the fall, and I forget which business it was, but there was someone who was talking about how they bought a business that had a, um, 
an SDE cash flow close to a million dollars. And they also had some investment partners that helped put up some of the down payment money. And they were talking about how the reinvestment in capital equipment and the preferred payments to their investment partners and the salary they took out and all this kind of thing, that uh, they were they actually only had a real cash flow of like a couple hundred thousand a year. And, and that's the reality. The, the seller's discretionary earnings number, um, and I've created many videos about this before, probably the best one is why SDE is not cash flow. Um, that number has a purpose, but many people mistake it for money in your pocket and it's not. Anyway, um, I wanna thank everyone who tunes in. Thank you for the comments and questions. Love making these videos. Uh, and I love hearing from you when you let me know that they help you out. Um, and if you're interested in really learning about this whole buying a business thing, I would suggest that you head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com where you can sign up for my online program. Uh, I've got three new bonus modules that are in the works for, for this year. Uh, and so the program is going to be expanding. As always, it doesn't matter when you sign up, you always have access to anything new that's coming down the pipe. Anyway, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll see you next time. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go to Mark Willis at Lake Growth Financial, today's video sponsor. Mark helps people better manage their personal and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've seen others use it successfully for years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find all the interviews I've done with Mark and learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up for a free consultation to learn what this solution might look like for you.